Arts, Lifestyle, SNS Online. to SNS Online, a voice for consume an aching heart, comfort a troubled soul, and mend a broken spirit. It's just one of the many quotes attributed to our special guest today. Conquering the classical music charts, this Welsh soprano has been heard across no less than six continents, had over eight million views on YouTube, and featured on award-winning international soundtracks. She has performed at the Royal Albert Hall, the Wales Millennium Centre and Buckingham Palace amongst many other prestigious venues and has worked with both the Welsh National Opera and the BBC National Orchestra of Wales. Her latest track, a beautiful rendition of World in Union, will be part of a brand new album of rousing sporting anthems and inspirational hymns set for release next year. Let's have a listen to some of her work. to international opera soprano, the very lovely Ellen Williams. Williams, a very warm welcome to SNS Online. It is such a privilege to have you on the show today. And I must say, oh my God, you can belt out a tune, can't you? <laughs> well, good morning. Hello. It's lovely to speak to you today. And thank you very much. <laughs> I mean, I don't sing like that in the shower at all. It, it, it's actually quite shocking. You wouldn't want to, you wouldn't want an album out of me. 
the shower is the best place to start. <laughs> well, it's probably the best place to be contained if, you, if you're me. Um, <laughs> congratulations, I've got to say, on the release of your brand new CD single. Um, uh, I've got to say a spellbinding cover of World in Union, which just released by Warner ADA. Uh, the single leading up to a new album, isn't it? Yes, it's it's very exciting to have this rendition out in the world. Um, this is an album I've been working on for the past few months now, and it's due for release next year. And there are a couple of tracks already out, and World in Union has joined those now. Um, it's a very special song to me, World in Union, because um, obviously it came out in 1991 with the beautiful Kiri Takanawa singing, yes. singing it, and I grew up listening to that stunning version. Mm. Um, and then in 1996, when the Rugby World Cup was held in the Principality Stadium in Cardiff, um, I remember it very well because my mother was playing the harp for the uh, the introduction to World in Union before oh, wow. being joined by Shirley Bassey and Bryn Tarval and I was sat at home watching as a little girl. So it's a song that's always been very special to me and when I sing it in concerts or with, with this new single now, it kind of reminds me of that and I feel very like an emotional connection to it. Oh, your <laughs> mummy was playing on the harp. That's, that's amazing. That is so, yes. so cool. I can see how you got inspired to uh, follow in your mother's footsteps. Not necessarily with instrument, but in um, in the music in business, music. as it were. Mm. Yes. So going back in time then, who were your influences? Obviously your mother uh, growing up. Was there a particular artist that inspired you or, or, um, or a number of different people? Well, I grew up always being encouraged to learn kind of the Welsh folk songs and the hymns and arias of Wales. My mm. grandmother was really passionate about making sure that we knew those and um, having me compete in the Eisteddfod and take singing lessons and things. So I learned kind of songs from a young age. Um, and then I remember being given one Christmas, my dad gave me um, Hayley Westerner's CD for Christmas. Who paint the moon black Just when you passed your love And that was kind of the start of it because she had a similar kind of pure voice to mine when I was a child. Um, and uh, she sang kind of classical renditions of folk songs. And I remember that, that album I was given called Pure and it had tracks on it such as um, oh, River of Dreams and and who painted the moon black and beautiful things like that, I remember. And I, I think that was probably the first CD I was given into, you know, taste into the classical world. And, and I loved it. And I've just carried on singing since <laughs> that's, that's wonderful is there anybody you feel you might be sort of perhaps unconsciously emulating at all but particularly in some of your classical crossover covers or has it been easy to stamp your own unique vocal identity on it well certainly over the past two years now as i've kind of delved further into this genre that we call classical crossover now which yes. is kind of all types of music really with classical influences so i've been Fortunes over the last year, I loved singing a recording or recording a version of the new James Bond theme tune, No Time to Die, Absolutely. and giving my own classical twist, which was very mm. exciting. Was I stupid to love you? Was I a reckless? 
genre, you know, that the, the artists such as Catherine Jenkins, Sarah Brightman, Josh Groban, Andrea Bocelli, they've all been kind of the founders of this classical crossover, um, huge, you know, rise in popularity. Yes, um, and people often compare me. Like I do get compared and say, <laughs> oh, it would be lovely to hear you sing a, a duet with, with Catherine. Also, well, well, that would be a dream. Hey, but... <laughs> that would be amazing, wouldn't it? I'm, I'm sure yeah. it could happen as well, having listened to a lot of your stuff over the last week. <laughs> oh, thank you. But Did... I guess, yes, influences, it, it would be would be kind of the... The cornerstones mm. of classical crossover. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Um, this is a question. Actually, I'm going to credit my partner Andy uh, for this because he he uh, he just mentioned this last night, and I think it's a brilliant question. Do you have a language you prefer to sing in? Because obviously, you sung Marlowe, which is German, Welsh hymns, Italian. Is it a slightly different way you approach it? I love to sing in all sorts of languages, really. As mm. um, as long as I understand the meaning and can find a connection personally to what I'm saying, sure. then then it's yeah i mean welsh is very similar to italian to sing in we sing on very open vowel sounds which ah. is a nice way to produce the sound um english you kind of find that the text actually gets in the way a little bit more but then <laughs> the flip side is it's it's kind of nice for storytelling and mm. and for painting the words and things like that um i've sang a little in russian and czech and i find wow. those are probably the hardest to connect with for me because i don't speak any of those languages um but um, as long as you can find some meaning in the song. your voice is your instrument how do you care for it how do you care for your voice on a daily basis and do do you restrict the amount of shows that you do for that very reason i think as long as you have a good bass technique you can kind of sing as much as you as much as you like or need to as long as you're singing always on the breath so there's a movement of the breath and the body is engaged in the singing it just doesn't happen only from the throat um i'm quite careful with my body in terms of production, I, I like to see a chiropractor a few times a year just to make sure my muscles for singing and you know engaging the voice are in the right place. And nice. I guess in terms of voice 
or vocal care, then I, I wouldn't go to a loud concert or, or a night out and be shouting over the music and things like that <laughs> in the week leading up to a concert. No, no, perhaps um, not. <laughs> or have 20 no, wood barns. I, and... <laughs> no, no, I don't smoke. Yeah, I would think not. it would have a big effect on my voice, but I, I try not to be too careful with it either because you have to live your life. There's a, there's a balance. Yes, yeah, absolutely. Now I heard there was a secret chord that day Opera can be as accessible as any other type of music because there's this sort of old trope that um, opera is a preserve of the rich, etc., etc. And um, do you feel that you can help by getting the word out by producing not only your wonderful work but crossover material as we've talked about? Yes, it's a shame that opera has this stigma, and I think it, as, as hard as we all try, it is still there today because I mean, it's, it's theatre at the end of the day through, through song and it tells wonderful stories i mean mozart operas in particular are hilarious i think yes. um but especially with classical crossover i think it is it's a much more accessible way of listening to classical music because there's songs that you might have heard you'll know well for example my rendition of hallelujah by leonard cohen has had three million views on facebook um because it's a song that people know already and they think oh i'll listen to this in a new classical classically sung way it doesn't necessarily feel like you're listening to something stuffy as long as um there's a connection or you can portray you know an emotion through song then i think um any 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 song in this kind of classical crossover genre can be more accessible I swear in the distance 
Do you find that some people in your own world of the opera world perhaps look slightly disdainly at people doing like popular opera to draw the masses in? Is there a little bit of snobbery there? <laughs> <laughs> it's a, it's a. I've got to be cautious how I answer this because it is a uh, controversial question. Mm. I think since, well, before the pandemic, I, I did sing opera and I had um, contracts and I worked in theatres and um, I sang some Mozart operas and some Gilbert and Sullivan as well. And since doing my kind of lighter music and, and recording more, um, I've enjoyed singing concerts with, with a microphone and a whole, a whole sound system mm. and even the orchestra will be amplified in some way. Um but the, there are, there is sometimes a slight looking down upon singers who use a microphone because <laughs> I don't know you're not singing the correct way or projecting. I mean, <laughs> yeah. Well, just last week I I had a concert, a classical concert without microphone, where mm. Carl Jenkins was involved and Hugh Edwards was comparing, and wow. I, I sang without a microphone. So it's you both. should be allowed to do both. <laughs> Absolutely, and certainly you can find as a positive for the amplified singing there's there's ways of you can find different kind of nuances to portray emotion and stories through song that um are done differently when you're projecting so there's there's yeah there's good points for both ways really people need to chill out and i'm sure there's very few of these people anyway so <laughs> has taken you all around the world what have been some of the memorable places you've been and the people you've met oh um <laughs> that's a question i haven't haven't answered in a long time yeah, there you, go. Off, you know I've, um, Exclusive. even in, in the uk as well i've been fortunate to sing in some of the wonderful prestigious halls we have here yes. i performed in the royal albert hall i sang in buckingham palace to wow well, the prince of wales but who's now king charles yes. of course um Yes, Cadogan Hall, the Royal Glasgow Hall, you know, all over the place in the UK. It's been it's been great. And and I have sang abroad um, many times. I've been over to the States and, and Canada and people are asking all the time, when am I next in the States and Canada for a tour? And, and uh, I'm hoping it's on the cards for next year or the year after. It's um, something we're planning at the moment, but I'd love to do some more touring.
thought we briefly mentioned duets. Yeah. I mean, my dream duets, because uh, let's aim high, why not? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I would love to sing with, I think Josh Groban has a voice of chocolate. Oh, it's just yeah. beautiful. Okay. And I've heard his rendition of that wonderful John Williams duet from... Um, from AI, mm. I think it's called For Always or For Forever, um, and that's a beautiful duet. Or, of course, Andrea Bocelli is the the peak as well. That would be oh. a dream come true to sing with Andrea Bocelli. <laughs> I wanted to talk about your wonderful nod to the cinema classics uh, with a classical twist, No Time to Die, Danny Boy, Cinema Paradiso, etc. Are you particularly drawn to music from the silver screen? Oh, yes, I absolutely love film music. I think film music is the genre I connect with emotionally the most. And sadly, it's the genre probably with the least songs. And by that, I mean that there aren't lyrics to the the themes and things like that quite often. Um like you know the beautiful theme from Schindler's List for example mm. there aren't there aren't any lyrics for that so yeah. it is a genre I absolutely love and the cinema EP was something I really loved creating and people have asked me a lot since will there be a cinema version too you know I'd love mm. you to sing My Heart Will Go On from Titanic and things like this yes. I, I would love to do more cinema I'm hoping it's on the cards very soon <laughs> if there's a way you can sort of either get somebody to write lyrics for a piece of music that doesn't have lyrics or sort of la your way through it like like the way Murray Gold does with some of his Doctor Who scores you know yes, you can. I, I think, <laughs> I think uh, Catherine Jenkins had a vision of Schindler's List actually just on R mm. and it's um, yeah it, it's quite hard these days to somehow to sometimes get permission to add lyrics to a big composer's yeah. Um, theme, but it but it isn't unheard of. So yeah, there's always a potential. <laughs> have to have a word with John Williams. See what he say. <laughs> oh yes, if you know him personally, please do. <laughs> well, I have spoken to him once on the phone, but very very briefly, and um, but I, yeah, I didn't really have any major connection with it. I just said, "Oh, I really love your work." <laughs> Yes, well, I that's really all I managed to do. Uh, it was a moment for me <laughs> more than him. Um, Scratch and sniff online with Nick Randall. Sleep, my darling, for 
So let's run through your music to date. You, you've got what t- two albums and various EPs out. Yes. Yeah, so there's the uh, well. My first EP came out in 2014, so quite a while ago, when mm. I was touring um, with with Fridian Roberts on his UK tour. So oh. Skylark was a collection of kind of filmic folk songs kind of feeling. So it had the crossover vibe to it then, and um, that was my my first recording. And then it wasn't until the lockdown, really. I, I went back to it and decided I wanted to record some more. Um, cinema came out last October. And then um, A Christmas Wish was yes. my first full album. A Christmas Fabulous. album. Was like, I love Christmas. So mm-hmm. it was... So do I. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it's uh, it's full on Christmas in my house now already as I'm preparing for Christmas concerts this year and um, picking up a new Christmas release. So... Uh, Yes, I think there's so much going already. wrong with the world. Why not step it back a month and start from November, you know? <laughs> Bring it Oh, on. absolutely. <laughs> I know plenty of people who have their Christmas trees up from the 1st of November, and I think, yep. wow, that is dedication. <laughs> I wish you starlight fields of snow For winter's morning light And evening's glow I wish you candles that shine Every tree, so all the world can see the light that there could be. I wish you music, I wish you song, with voices echoing, joyous and strong. I wish you church bells ringing true and I've also got to say, I love your videos. They are just beautifully made. Uh, and I, I, it's really important to sort of package up your music uh, well, particularly in, in you know, the modern world of social media and TikTok and all the rest of it. Do, do you presumably spend a long time working on bows and collaborating with various people who do these? Yes, the videos have been, have been so much fun to film. And I, I find it's a way of kind of 
connecting with the audience through the song even further and just kind of giving your idea of how you kind of visualize the song. Um, I know for World in Union, obviously, it has roots in sporting um sporting history sure. but um it's also very appropriate for the world we live in at the moment with so much mm. unrest going on all over the place um a world in union would be the perfect you know the ideal dream wouldn't it and i think we could have gone with white symbolism in the video but i chose to wear a yellow dress and have um, yellow roses kind of thrown out to sea as kind of gestures of sharing friendship across the world and, and more peace because yellow is the universal color of friendship yeah and also uh the ukrainian one of the main ukrainian colors just throw that in and ukrainian <laughs> yes yes Absolutely. it was yes That's a lovely way to, to, to end uh, our, our chat. World in Union is out now by Warner ADR and the uh, album is very soon, I believe. Yes, the album is on the cards for early next year. So um, there's more inspirational hymns and sporting tunes to share on that on the way too. That's fantastic. So looking forward to it. Ellen Williams, thank you so much. As usual, uh, a celebrity goodie bag will be winging its way to you. Best of luck with the album and uh, continued success with your fantastic career. Oh, thank you so much. It was lovely to chat.
scratch and sniff. Scratch and sniff? Scratch and sniff! I didn't know I was agreeing to that. <laughs> I thought those days were over. Well, I really enjoy working in small theatres. I don't like the huge, spectacular shows, you know. I quite like to see the audience. The whites of their eyes. I, yeah, not quite, <laughs> not quite. I'm glad I'm not Emily Dickinson. What a miserable life led she. She didn't have Cadbury's dairy milk and nobody came for tea. My father said, dentistry would be a very useful uh, career for you. You can use it any country in the world, and as a Jew, you might be thrown out any time. Still, it remains in me, that, that possibility. I think all good actors are trying to shine a light on what it means to be human. Mm. You know, and to look at human behaviour and, and to look at contradiction. And this is what and David Bowie saw this. Is this true? David Bowie saw this and then uh, wanted you to make a documentary about him. Yes, he asked me if I'd like to meet up and would I, he liked what he saw. And I mean, thought, what a compliment. Yeah, it, it kind of was. Maybe Fantastic. it was a rash judgment to make. <laughs> and this woman came up to me and she said, Now tell me, have you made any movies? And I said, well, no, I haven't been to Betty Ford yet. Well, if I could have gone through that floor. <laughs> and somebody came pounding across the beach at me. I thought, oh, no, not here, not now. Leave me running towards me, running towards me. And I... And they ran straight past me. <laughs> <laughs> by hook or by crook, I ended up meeting them in their hotel. The words breaking in are so vulgar. <laughs> for a 16-year-old Beatlemaniac <laughs> to spend eight days with John and Yoko. I still don't believe it. And then I was with Douglas mm. uh, Adams. I will always remember Douglas's immortal words. She can't sing, she can't dance, she can't act. What's the good of her? <laughs> <laughs> and for some reason, I was insulted. And then the door opened, and I went, Blimey, you're Shelley Winters. And she said, and who are you? And I said, I'm Derry Foles. And she put her tongue right down my throat. <laughs> I never saw her again the rest of the evening. Are you enjoying now far more than you were enjoying the height of your success? No. Because at the height of my success, I was on private jets and limousines and I wouldn't be stuck in a pub with the likes of you. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's charming, that is. And Britt Eklund turned and gave me a smile such as you have never seen. And I got this wonderful, utter, total attention until she realised I was absolutely no use to her whatsoever and it was all turned off as though the light was... Oh, turned. no! It did make me laugh. And also by the Scotsman, uh, apparently you are tender, frightened and convincing. I mean, it's working for me. <laughs> <laughs> I've made Sandy Walsh blush, but in a, in a good way. It was for me being in the supermarket in Accrington and my elderly lady's coming up to me and saying, when are you and Roy getting married? And me saying, well, we're not allowed to because Hayley's transgender and, and them going, never mind that, they should be together. And that's the way to change the world. I'd say about yeah. this film is it's perfect to take someone on a date to because... Because you don't have to at, talk to them. Yeah, did you do the old yawn, arms around the back, <laughs> creeping down the front? It was very I'm, tempting. I'm doing a bit. <laughs> sliding the bra out of the top, yeah. <laughs> It's an art to that. I interviewed on the same day Idi Amin and Harold Pinto. Difficult for me to say who was most difficult and intimidating <laughs> of the two of them. Well, I mean, were you in the same room as these people? I was in the same room as Harold Pinto. I oh. wasn't necessarily in, but I, I collected them. That's probably the and best then put choice them together that would be. Yeah, Harold always was, but we became good friends over the years, yeah. and I didn't continue my relationship with Idi Amin, I can tell you that. <laughs> 
and I had a terrible problem because my Hamlet kept treading on my very pointed toe shoes, you see, so I had to kind of keep trying to leave the stage, but of course I couldn't because he was on the foot. And it was written as this sort of very camp thing, and I actually knew a couple of people that auditioned for it, and they said, oh, it's this very sort of camp factory type. Mm. I thought, well, I could do that. But it said, Len is tall. And uh, Mark Gator sent me an email and said, will you give me a ring? And I thought... He's not doing that to tell me I've got it. Uh, he's just being nice because he is the nicest man in the world. And he said, look, we've, we loved what you did, but... And I said, you've gone for somebody tall, haven't you? And he went, yeah. <laughs> I could never get an agent for years because of my disability, so I had to be my own, which was good for me, actually, because it taught me a lot of discipline. And so I'm negotiating for right fee, hopefully. Okay. <laughs> yeah, not as good on that one. More about getting the role. Now, what makes this film interesting is that it's actually really the story about two men, because J. Edgar Hoover... For so all of <laughs> Look, Nick, there's not much man-on-man action in this uh, movie. But yeah, what it is, okay, is a sort of story Just about... Just very intense here, right? Go on, go on. It's a story about... Uh... <laughs> Sorry, we haven't done this readers for a couple of months. Uh, so, anyway, go on. OK. Yes, it's better be good. So, <laughs> so basically... Jay Hoover, famously, was he gay? And I just think, actually, that if you don't have older actors and older actresses, you're not really getting a view of a balanced society. How much can you tell us about Mary Poppins, and uh, can you succumb to tickling or bribery? Um, neither, because otherwise I'll just get a huge <laughs> smack bottom from Disney. Um, uh, uh, I can only tell you that it's going to be great. <laughs> <laughs> and there are amazing people in it. And if you, if you know. know who's in Meryl it, Street, Meryl Emily Streep Drum. and uh, Emily and Colin Firth. Oh. And Meryl Streep's a bit overrated, I think. Oh, apparently. Sad! Exclamation <laughs> mark. And then there was a guy who was supposed to shout something from the wings and he didn't come on. And I, very oh. quick thinking, because I've got a very deep voice, I rushed off to do this old character who actually was still in the toilet. Okay. And I went off and I went, and the line was, Give me some light. And then I ran back on as Ophelia. <laughs> I've made up for it. I, yeah. I've spent many, many years since making amazing commercials, teaching people how to make sure that they don't get infected with STIs. Oh, right, that's so lovely. I'm, I'm, I'm the voice of chlamydia. So the review came in the next day. The first Ophelia to start out mad and go slowly say. My simple mantra is... Never accept the world as it is. Dream of what the world could be and then help make it happen. No, I love it. Carol Decker on Scratch and Sniff with a goodie bag. Thank you so much. I've enjoyed it tremendously. And uh, thank you for, for picking up on so many things that I'd, I'd actually forgotten about. Did Katie get all this? Oh, yes, she got all this, yeah. No, wonderful. Tell you, Nick, it's been a total pleasure. I should get... Highly drunk. Thank you very much. What an enjoyable interview. Bye.